Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How are you now? Broadcasting from the VFS studios at Nelson's Point, Sydney. You are listening to the all-new Pip Show, Season 5, Episode 8, I think. Uh, don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that all the financial information in this podcast is general in nature. Only speak to a professional advisor about your needs. I'm going to say that again. All the financial information in this podcast is general in nature only. Speak to a professional advisor about your needs. Don't make me tell you twice. I've already told you twice. Don't make me tell you three times. Speaking of which, uh, I am James Whelan, Investment Manager at VFS Group. I think Paul Colgan has finally managed to book himself a flight back home. Uh, just going to get some news on that from Davos. Uh, good on you, Paul, mate. Look forward to seeing you when you get back. The episode is being recorded. Now, it's all over the place. Uh, look, it's Friday, the 26th of August, 2022 AD. We will continue to remain unsponsored uh, until such a time as we feel we have an alignment that every single person on the internet is okay with. Hello to all the anonymous people out there who love the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate us and leave a review wherever you get your podcast today. A uh, little bit of a market wrap. Later on, we're going to have Gareth Ed, uh, Chief, what is he, not the Chief Economist, he's the Head of uh, Australian Economics at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia and a general all-round great guy. And we're really looking forward to talking to him in a sec. First off, first and foremost, so I've got a good mate of mine, and because we're contractually obliged to have at least one South Australian on the show every three months, uh, Heath Moss from HLM Investments. Heath, how are you now? Uh, really well, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Mate, she's been a bit of a week. Uh, it seems like tender hooks in the lead-up to Jackson Hole, and people are going to be listening to this after Jackson Hole sort of comes to this big crescendo at midnight between Friday and Saturday. So let's not dwell on that, but yep. what are you looking at right now? Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's uh, we've always got, so- always got something new to look at uh, moving forward, but generally it's the same themes. It's centred around uh, rates, uh, inflation and yields. And, you know, what are the Fed and these central banks going to do moving forward? Uh, they've aggressively lifted those rates um, over the last few months, as we know, but now we're sort of in that, un- in that nervy period where, you know, it could go either way. I mean, the US could be headed for a recession, which means the the Fed may pause um, and there could be some softness moving through in Europe, et cetera. So giving, you know, um, further credence to the pause. But on the other hand, you know, data coming through in the US is, is still pretty solid and, you know, Yields have started marching back up again. You know, the hawkishness uh, that sort of uh, eluded us over the last month or so has returned. Um, So it may be a case that also the market's saying, hey, maybe the Fed does land this soft landing and we're going to be okay, which means yields go higher, the aggressiveness of those rates 
um, sort of calms down a bit, but they still, you know, are lifting by 25 basis points a month for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, and yeah. we go on our merry way. So it's really, for me at the moment, it's really a flip of a coin at the moment uh, as to what happens. I can't, I can't really call it either way, unfortunately. That's no, I've, I've similar sort of feel about it. And obviously, this is going to be out of date by the time people listen to it, if they listen to it tomorrow. If you're listening to it today, it's Friday. Uh, that Jerome Powell is set to speak at midnight tonight, Sydney time, uh, or 1976 in Adelaide. The <laughs> now, what he's going to, uh, I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's 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 no blinking for the Fed. There's there's talking, but there's no blinking. So regardless of how bad the data is going to be they will keep on doing what they need to do, maybe not as aggressively, but I think that the worst case, like there is no no catastrophe that the Fed has in front of them of going, you know what, we're going to raise it by, there's no 100 basis point raise that's that's bedded in. As far as I'm concerned, everything is either a minor blip that's on on the horizon for a viable opportunity through a strengthening global economy when it does actually start to strengthen and a China China reopening or it's going to be a bit of a blinking and if if the Fed blinks then it's on for young and old and you think that the rally that, that, that some of the rallies that we've seen over recent times will look like nothing however like you said I can't make that call either way yeah, I agree. I don't think the the pivot to a dovish stance is going to happen anytime soon anymore. Um, the the you know the re- technical recession confirmation we got in the first half of this year. I mean, the characteristics obviously aren't there for a traditional recession. So you know, a lot of people were relying on some of the data worsening, you know, for that to happen. But you know, I can see you know, credence for them to pause. And, and I think they need to. And it's and the same with the RBA here. So those uh, rate hikes can filter through and start impacting the household budgets and, and demand. Because obviously they're all data-driven and there's only so much live data that they can get feeds on. And a lot of data is, is lagging. So I don't think it will hurt them to pause. And maybe September is the last rate rate um, increase for the year and mm-hmm. we, we wait until next year to, to see um, how things are panning out because you know you look at here in Australia I mean some of these mortgage um, uh, owners uh, who just signed up at the start of the year will you know be looking at 1500 to two grand lifts in their uh, mortgage by the time Christmas rolls around so yeah. that that could severely d- uh, dampen demand and you don't want to crush it so much that you know we, we head into a recession, a deep recession that's harder to get out of. And, we, you know, we spent all these trillions globally, worldwide, to avoid these deep recessions from COVID. I mean, I can't see the point of us doing that and then, you know, heading back into one possibly in 2023. Well, amazingly, that's a beautiful lead into what's coming up next with Gareth Aird. I know this because I actually spoke to him before you and I have spoken right now. He goes into... <laughs> the weeds on exactly what's going on with the discretionary stuff. Uh, So get set for it really quickly. Heath, what are you buying? What are you selling this week? Uh, look, a lot of uh, sitting on my hands over the last couple of weeks while we digest the uh, the Australian earnings season. We've had the US earnings season. It wasn't as bad as everyone feared, so the market bounced on that. We saw mm. that. Here mm. in Australia, it's been very strong, but we expected that. I think we've, earnings are growing about 14% um, on year if you exclude BHP because obviously BHP distorts things quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, I'm looking at those staples, you know, your Woolworths, your Coles, you know, they can pass on those inflationary costs quite easily. Um, I was buying growth uh, about a month ago. I've, I've held off on buying some more growth. I want to see 
generally August and September, you get some uh, pullbacks in the market. So I think there'll be another opportunity there. I think the time for energy and oil, et cetera, is, is back again. Hmm. It looks like um, uh, West, Texas, West Texas is looking to break out. Um, gas prices all over the world are going through the roof as Europe pays any price they can to fill their you know, reserves. Um, and the Asian, I saw the uh, price of the Asian spot, uh, LNG price today, and that was phenomenal. Um, it was extremely high. So um, the companies here in Australia, like your Woodsides, your Santos, et cetera, will benefit from that as well. Um, and I'm watching copper really, really closely. It, it could go the way still, but the chart is, the copper chart is starting to form like there's going to be a breakout Ooh, don't say to it, the don't upside. Don't say it, don't say it, You know I'm a buyer of copper on big dips. I so. know. I know. Yeah. And look, I mean, if China keeps on, you know, this positive rhetoric about, you know, supporting their economy, even if it is, you know, you know, specific in, in certain areas, you know, that will get people excited again, construction and housing going again in China. And obviously, you know, copper is, is the main the main sort of gauge of that, is yeah. the, the global bellwether of that. So I'm watching that uh, keenly as well. Um, got my eye on a few copper stocks, you know, Yoz Minerals, although, you know, with the BHP takeover yeah. offer, that's taken a lot of the, the potential upside out of there. Um, but you still got a lot of, you know, good copper stocks out there on the ASX, like the 29 Metals, um, uh, SYR. Uh, I really like uh, a little specky called uh, Havilah Resources. Oh, um, HAV. I've not yeah, heard HAV. of many, many years ago. Yes, yeah, so Oz, Oz Minerals have got a, uh, uh, a thing on it, so they can they exclusive rights on the ability to buy their Kalkaroo copper pro project uh, for the next 18 months so if that goes ahead that could be worth as much as uh, 70 cents to the uh, per share on on mm. that stock and it's currently only about 37 so obviously general advice only you know do your own research seek your own advice i but, have um, I've banged the table about this yes uh, heath moss mate i'm gonna have to let you go well not let no you worries. go. that sounds a bit that sounds a bit sad. <laughs> just sack. um mate we are we are done have yourself a great weekend everyone you too, look thanks after for yourself. listening heath moss hlm investments thanks for joining us have a good one guys see you later all right let's get on with the show okay we're gonna get on with the show now today i'm joined by none other than the coolest guy and uh, one of the most accurate forecasters in australia potentially the world i don't want to talk him up too much but joining us from the commonwealth bank of australia is the head of aussie economics gareth Ed. gareth how are you I'm good, and thanks very much for a, a really nice introduction. Don't want to overdo it. Um, so, what's the latest at, uh, in your neck of the woods, mate? I've got a note. Let's just get straight into it. Thank you for joining us on the show. That's it's a pleasure. Been, it's been a while since since we've had. It has, yeah. Um, I think the last time that we talked, it was still lockdownish. Yeah, remember that? And you were talking about how much savings Aussies had at twenty-two or twenty-five percent savings rate, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember. It was it was a while ago now, and. Um, yeah, at the time, we had a non-consensus call out there that the economic recovery would be V-shaped simply because of how much money had been put into the system. Um, yeah, that story's all played out and we're in a different place right now. But, um, yeah, I think it's been a while since I've, I've come on your show. Yeah, so and a lot has changed in that time. We're out and we're free and we can actually stand up in pubs and we can dance. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful and attend our children's school. The problem is, though, that, first off, that 22% savings rate, I don't remember seeing it. Mm. And I'm certainly not seeing a savings rate at, at this potential situation that we're in right now. And it's it's pretty grim out there. I don't want to be too much of a, too much of a downer. But I've, I'm looking at a, a note that you just put out this morning. It's we're recording this at 11:18 mm. on Friday, the 26th of August. So this is fresh. 
I've got a note here. Do you want to talk to this note that you said that, that you've got here about home prices declining quickly? Sure. Um, yeah, so the note put out this morning is just uh, reiterating our forecast for home prices, but there's been a slight um, change in the profile of when we think the peak to trough um, forecast will actually be realised. So back in June, when the RBA raised the cash rate by 50 basis points and delivered a business not-as-usual hike, uh, we thought, well, we need to revisit our forecast for home prices. Um, our expectation was that the RBA would move through with their tightening cycle at a reasonable pace but not be delivering uh, 50s, um, particularly given they stressed uh, after the May rate hike that 25 basis points was business as usual and implied that that's uh, what their tightening cycle would, would would look like where they moved in increments of 25 basis points. But as soon as they moved with that 50 basis point hike in June, we thought, well, we need to put out some uh, new home price forecasts because you know, the faster they go and the more they front load the tightening cycle, the greater the impact that's going to be on home prices in a short amount of time. And they've obviously delivered uh, a few 50s now since then, mm-hmm. and home prices are falling at a, at a pretty decent pace. So we haven't actually changed the overall peak to trough uh, national uh, forecast of 15%, but I think, I think that forecast now will be realised earlier. Uh, we're at a point now where home prices in Sydney are falling uh, a little bit over 2% a month. Yep. Um, nationally, they're likely to come in down around 1.5% in August. So the evidence indicates that home prices are actually now sliding quite quickly. And so we've got that forecast that, that we'll get down there by, by about 15% around the middle of next year. Yep. And then, again, this is a non-consensus call, but we think that uh, home prices will start increasing in the second half of next year, but that's very much conditional on what the RBA does. And I think this is the problem that almost everyone who's forecasting has at the moment, is that what the RBA does will have such a big impact on the outcomes that we get, whether it's the economy or whether it's home prices. Mm. So you've almost got to, you're sort of back-solving, well, for this profile of the RBA, what is the outlook then for home prices and the economy going to look like? And we think they'll end up cutting the cash rate in the second half of next year. And on the basis they do that, that would see home prices start to rise again. Yeah, so that is is that in line with consensus with regards to the RBA? I think we had Diana Messina, very smart, mm. uh, very smart woman. She's smart. She's a friend of mine, yeah, at, at AMP. Um, they've actually got a similar call on the cash rate. In uh, fact, I think it might be... I think it might be identical, actually. We're looking for a peak in the cash rate of 2.6%, there yeah. or thereabouts, and a couple of cuts in there for the the second half of next year. I think there might be one or two other houses out there with a similar call, but it's not a consensus call. Um, and it's certainly not what the market has got priced. Um, the market is looking for a, a much higher terminal rate. Um, it is starting to look for cuts uh, at some point, but... You know, I think if the if the Reserve Bank was to get up around 3.5%, which is where the market is thinking for the terminal rate, then you'd be looking at a much bigger fall in home prices. And that would make, I mean, if you want to actually convert that into a, a real a real investment case, um, general advice only, we have stressed this many times, don't make me say it again, but a long bonds position would be an absolute an absolute lock at that, at that particular time to start to Well, that's where I'll quote our, our head of rate strategy, Marty Wetton. Hey, Marty. Um, g'day, Marty. <laughs> um, so he's obviously, as the head of rates, um, looks after the bond call at, at Commonwealth Bank, uh, but he's of the view that at some point, yes, the, the bond market will rally and reflect really the fact that you know, the RBA, if they keep taking the policy rate higher, which everyone's in agreement they will do in the short run, it's just that there's differing views on how high they get to, Eventually, that will put the brakes on the economy pretty significantly, and at some point, then they've got to reverse gear. And I should just say on on the Reserve Bank front, 
the reason why we think they'll ultimately end up cutting um, if they take the policy rate somewhere around 2.5%, which is where they think the neutral rate is, yeah. and we think it's about 100 basis points lower than that at 1.5%. So if you've taken the cash rate, you know, call it, say, 100 basis points higher than that, then what that means is you're running restrictive policy uh, and then you'll end up getting below trend economic growth and the unemployment rate will rise. So if all those things happen, uh, then you're eventually talking about rates having to come back down. I think that's our key point of differentiation with the Reserve Bank at the moment. Uh, we just think that um, policy, uh, a cash rate above 1.5%, there or thereabouts is restrictive. They're in that territory now. I think they're going to go further restrictive and that ultimately ultimately means at some point they'll have to come back down. Mm. Okay, so sorry, I was just having a bit of a drink. Mm. Enjoy your mineral water as well. It's quite good. We have that shipped industry. <laughs> um, so, uh, where am I talking about now? So the, the next thing that's is just, uh, just uh, so we'll be talking about the RBA. Mm. Um, there's a mortgage cliff that's coming, and, yep. and Marty doesn't mind me saying mortgage cliff, mortgage peak, whatever you want to say. CBA themselves have disclosed. I mean, they've got a big chunk of the of the um, individual retail mortgage book, so they would have a pretty good pretty good idea of what it is in their own second. What was it in the second 2Q announcement? Or was it the first quarter announcement? They actually, in their presentation, they said when the cliff was going to be. Second half of 22, people coming off a fixed rate onto a variable rate. How much of an impact? Again, Diana did say, and I, I mentioned her because I know that, 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 that you and her mm. were sort of a, a very similar lockstep with, um, with this view. She said it was sort of a half thing about how much of an impact that's going to have on the market. Do you, how much of a thing is this, is this mortgage cliff peak? Well, there's a, a few things going on. I think when you're referring to the word cliff, you're talking about the expiry of uh, fixed rate home loans. Correct. And there's a lot of that to come. Yep. And what we know is that the average uh, rate that a borrower fixed at over the pandemic was around two and a quarter percent. So on our profile, very, and um, you know, there's lots of borrowers that did that, albeit that a lot of them took out two, three-year fixed rate loans and they took them out a couple of years ago. Yeah. So there's a big uh, home, home loan expiry schedule to occur over the second half of this year. For, well, we're in the second half, but over, over coming months and then as we go through 2023, and the average borrower there will be rolling up around two and a quarter percent on their loan, probably something like on a floating rate to between four and a half and five percent based on jump. our profile for the cash rate. It's, it's a very big jump in percentage terms. Yeah. And I think that's something that um, you know, we really need to be conscious of when talking about the RBA and the impact of rate hikes on the economy. It's very easy to talk about tightening in basis point terms, but the level at which you're starting at matters a lot because it's the percentage change which actually impacts uh, what you're paying in terms of interest cost on debt. And by way of example, you know, if you went from a mortgage rate of 8% to 16%, mm. that's exactly the same mathematically as going from 2.25% to 4.5%. The impact on your interest cost on debt is that it, that it doubles. So there's a lot of tightening then to come through as borrowers roll off fixed rate loans. Now, the other thing I'd, I'd note as well, and this is something that we've been talking about recently at Commonwealth Bank, is that there's quite a lag between changes in the cash rate and when a borrower, borrower will actually see their mortgage if they're on a floating rate mm. that their mortgage rate their direct debit actually go up yeah so and it's around about three months for yeah. a cba borrower so what happens is the bank announces what the new standard variable rate will be after the rba moves and that generally kicks in a couple of weeks after they've moved the cash rate up mm -hmm. but then a borrower's cash flow from a direct debit perspective is not impacted for several months after yeah. 
So the full impact of the rate hikes that have been announced to date on floating rate borrowers won't actually kick in till December for CBA customers. Okay. So there's quite a lag between changes in the cash rate and when it actually hits a borrower's d- direct debit. Um, but of course, the interest cost on your debt is going up within a couple of weeks of that standard variable rate uh, being reset upwards. And I think that dynamic helps to explain why spending in the economy has held up reasonably well up until this point. But at the same time, consumers in the consumer confidence surveys are saying they're really concerned about the economic outlook. And, and the consumer sentiment uh, measures are basically consistent with previous recessions or negative shocks. And I think that dichotomy is explained by the fact that home borrowers on floating rate notes or even fixed rate, fixed mortgages that are coming up uh, for expiry know what's coming. But at the same time, right up until this point, their cash flow hasn't been materially impacted by okay. the hikes. Yeah. So what, is, what sort of things are impacted by, by this sort of belt timing that has to happen? Um, I, I know that you've got stats here. On, in, in fact, what I will say is that the Australian Retailers Association puts, uh, put a note out a couple of days ago, and I'd sort of I'd known that this was information, but I was waiting for them to say what it was. Their expectations for Father's Day. So this is a, a, Roy, Mer- a Roy, Mor- Roy Morgan survey. <laughs> yeah. Friday, give me a break. Roy Morgan survey. I've been, I've been talking all week. This is insane. Uh, a Roy Morgan survey that they had yep. that, that, that with the Father's Day prediction. That it was going to be off year on year seven about seven point seven percent I think they said Father's Day spending. That's the first time that Father's Day has ever seen a negative year on year spend. That's their barometer for the Australian Retailers Association. That's their barometer for what Christmas is going to look like. Mm. So if you've got if you've got a pullback there, you're going to have a pullback in Christmas. The prediction from the from the ARA is that it's going to be the belt tightening, sort of the last hurrah, the last chance to spend. As people know that they're about to hit, you know, big bulk of mm. people are about to hit this big rate change. Yep, it's going to be Christmas. This is our last hurrah. This is what we've got. We'll buy in the in the in the Boxing Day sales, and then that's it. And that's what that's what they're sort of predicting. Very quietly, they're not saying yeah. that out loud because they don't want to. But I think that that's sort of what they're seeing ahead. Do you do you think that's about? Look, yeah. I think for home borrowers who are on floating rate mortgages, or they're going to roll over uh, off a fixed rate onto a floating rate, if they're borrowed over the last three or four years, they will notice a big step change uh, in their in their cash flow. And most people have been spending in a way that's commensurate with money coming in, money going out for the mortgage, and then whatever you've got left over, you go and spend. And you might save a little bit more on top of that, and that's how the buffers get built up. But by and large, people get used to a certain amount of money coming in, a certain amount of money going out. Yeah. Now, when you radically shift the money going out to pay off the mortgage, which is what these hikes are going to do, for many, many households, what that will mean is they'll have to reassess how they're spending money and what tends to give in, in that sort of scenario is discretionary spending. Yeah. Now, for every, best, you've got the best data for this, right? We do, and yeah. it's very timely, and we're already seeing evidence that some discretionary components of spending are coming off, and there's obviously a lot – that story's got a lot further to play out as the lagged impact of these rate hikes comes through. Yeah. And for every household, what they consider discretionary and what they consider non-discretionary discretionary will be different. But in the main, if households have to find the extra money to repay a mortgage, well, they'll be assessing where they're spending money or where they've been spending money and, and, and change things accordingly. Yep. The other thing too is that when we're talking here about households that have got a mortgage, for even, even those households that don't have a mortgage, they're 
on average, uh, in deeply negative real wages growth because right now inflation is running well ahead of wages growth. So even for those households, their purchasing power has still been eroded by the fact that you know, the increase in the pay packet has not kept up with the change in prices of, of, of goods and services. So I think you're seeing that all kind of reflected in the consumer sentiment numbers. I think it was very interesting this week out in New Zealand that um, there was a big fall in retail trade vol- volumes over Q2. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, from memory, it was either 2.5% or 2.7%. It was there or thereabouts. And the consensus was looking for an increase in retail volumes of 1.7%. So that was a massive miss. And I think, uh, and to quote Marty, actually, he likes saying this, that New Zealand is two hours ahead and six months ahead. Yeah. And I think there, there's a bit of a... Um, a bit of a forward-looking indicator of what could be in the pipeline here given they've started their tightening cycle earlier and you're seeing the impact come through now on, on households. Yeah, and, and so you've got a chart here, and I'll link to this. This is on the links. Guys, click on the links and, and it'll be here, the CBA notes, which is on the hmm. – it's on your internet, isn't it? Yep. So it's, it's all public there. So um, you've got eating out, general retail and recreation have shown – I mean, this is coming off a common base going back to January 2020 – they, they did go up to, you know, a 50% increase for eating out and what's that other one there, general retail, and they've started to come back off that. Yeah, so the level of spend in, in our card spend data is um, you don't want to take a literal read of the numbers because we're basically using cards a lot more now to pay for things. So in a level sense, things look incredibly high. They're, they're stronger than the official data just because almost everyone now is using cards to pay for things, whereas previously, you know, a lot of people were, were using cash. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of more interested in how are things directionally traveling. And there's early evidence that um, things are starting to come off. Yep. And given the lagged impact of the rate hikes, uh, I think there's a lot more to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I was recently talking with someone about the lagged impact of, of rate hikes. And I said, well, to give you an analogy, it's like if you sat down and had five shots of vodka in 10 minutes, you might sit there and say, well, I'm not actually feeling a lot at the moment. But at some point, those shots of vodka are actually going to hit you. Yeah. And I think that's sort of a, an example you can you can think about with the Reserve Bank's tightening at the moment. They've been moving very aggressively, 50 basis point hikes back to back, and they've done three of them plus the 25 and the expectation they'll probably do another 50 in September. Yeah. That's an incredible amount of, of tightening. And it's it has, a lot of vodka. It's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of vodka. And... Um, that is all going to filter through to households that are carrying a mortgage. Okay, so there's been it's, it's been a pretty bearish case. You would yeah. have I, I would be hard pressed to find a reason to buy a retailer on the on this market. I couldn't. There's there's not a lot of investment case that I could see to, mm. to, to be buying things like Harvey Norman or JB Hi-Fi yeah. or Breville things like that. It's just I just can't touch that because I do think that it will continue to come back and pull back. And I think that when people do go. Look after Christmas or Boxing Day. We bought the last of the of the things that we absolutely need because it was on sale and we're waiting for it. Retailers are going to be getting rid of everything. They don't want to be sitting on any inventory. I, I think that the belt timing is just going to be: we now don't eat out for a few months, kids, or it'll be very, very special occasions, things like that. Yeah. We don't buy that things. We we have a TV. The TV is fine. The barbecue is fine. The the the, the fridge is fine. We're not going to buy a new thing. Because we can keep this one for another year. Do you, I mean, there's no case for it. There's no case to be buying these retailers here. Not that that's your business, so it's okay. Um, now, sell me this pen is uh, is a new game that I just made up ten minutes ago. We've been talking pretty bearishly. Give me a, give me the bull case for the Australian economy. 
We have been talking bearishly, um, but what we're really talking about is how these rate hikes will impact um, the household sector and particularly those that are, are carrying debt. Now, what we need to remember is that rate hikes are something that um, the central bank delivers and then they can also cut the policy rate. We're not talking about some external shock here causing a slowdown in the economy. We're talking about a policy-induced um, slowdown in the economy and the central bank has the opportunity to course correct at any point in time if it turns out to be the case that they've over-tightened. So our, our base case for the economy is actually a reasonably decent one, but it's very much conditional on the RBA not taking the cash rate anywhere near like the markets have got priced mm. and also taking the cash rate lower as we go through next year. So we might have a, a period where we've got six months or so the data looks is coming in quite weak, but provided the central bank then takes the cash rate back down, you know, things will pick up again. Um, you know, the job market currently looks very good. The unemployment rate's very low. Um, you know, I stress, though, to, to our clients that it is a backward-looking indicator. So it's not telling you anything about the future. But the job story is certainly good. Uh, wages growth is slowly accelerating. That's also good. And I think that what we'll find is as we go through next year, the rate of inflation will actually end up coming down reasonably quickly, given it's been pushed up um, quite, quite materially by a lot of one-off factors. Yeah. And that in order for inflation to stay high, you have to have an ongoing impulse coming through. And I think a lot of the, the factors that have driven inflation up, they'll dissipate as we go through next year. And the, the, the inflation that's related to the war is one thing, but a big chunk of the inflation that's come through globally has also been um, driven by the pandemic response, which was um, governments and central banks just flooding the system with cash. Then that cash had to find somewhere to go. A lot of it was channeled into retail goods spending that caused prices to rise. And those forces will dissipate as we go through next year. So I think provided the Reserve Bank doesn't end up taking the cash rate too high, and if it turns out to be the case that policy is restrictive and things are slowing too quickly and they're comfortable with the idea that inflation will end up not being a problem and they take the cash rate lower, then the, there's no reason to think the Australian economy won't still continue to hum along albeit we'll have this sort of period for probably six months or so where things, uh, where the data does start to look quite weak. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you're looking, if you're thinking about some external shock that comes along that causes a, a, a recession or a big downturn, that, that's something else again. But we're really just talking here about uh, a slowdown induced by the central bank and they have the opportunity to course correct at any point in time. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've built up a big case too and I'm, I'm putting a pretty big, Pretty big bet on for this one as well. The China, mm. the China waking up at the end of the year is going to free up a lot of uh, of a lot of things in the world. It's going to pick up. It'll, it'll make building supplies cheaper. I do believe the China opening up. So this is all after the People's Congress mm. in a couple of months. Um, COVID zero will, will be relieved or eased a little bit. I'm banking on that, uh, and I think that that'll make things a lot easier for, uh, for, for people to actually. If, if you do want to build something, and everyone still wants to build, mm. everyone still wants to put a second level on or a back. Just build a new house. That, the, the money for that will still be there. Easier access, or sorry, cheaper supplies will mean that people will. I mean, it'll, it'll sort of solve its own problem. Yeah, that's right. And the, and the global backdrop too will be one of a slowing global economy, which will put downward pressure on on inflation, mm -hmm. particularly for a lot of the things that we import. Um, so again, I don't think that inflation will actually be a problem for us here next year. Um, it is a lagging indicator as well. So I think provided the central bank. Um, feels like they don't have to continue to run hard against inflation, knowing that 
there's a lagged impact between the hikes and what that'll have on inflation, and they end up taking the policy rate back down in the second half of next year, then it will continue to hum along at a reasonable rate. I think the risk, though, in all of this is that they take policy too restrictive, they leave it there for too long, and then they've inadvertently engineered a hard landing in the economy. And I think think that's the concern in all of this. Well, we've got a lot of faith in these guys to lead us in the right direction. And remember a couple of months ago, I think we had this conversation offline too uh, about the RBA's guidance. Mm. And I put the survey out to the listeners about when when the RBA said they weren't going to rise, they weren't going to raise rates Mm. for this year, and then they did, and people said, well, you lied. They actually had the caveats that were on there. And the the survey came back that I put out that, that absolutely people generally should not have been expected to know that the caveats were attached to the RBA. What, what are your thoughts on the RBA's guidance on that, on that message? I think that's exactly right. I mean, for those of us that work in markets and follow the Reserve Bank closely, we always knew that was a conditional statement. Yeah. And that's why at Commonwealth Bank, we went out middle of last year and said, we think they'll raise the cash rate in 2022, yeah. even though at the time the Reserve Bank was saying, we don't think we'll be raising the cash rate until 2024, because we always knew it would be economic outcomes that, that ultimately determined what they what they do or did. Um, now, the problem is for a lot of households, you know, they're, they're not aware of those nuances and all they heard was that the central bank's not raising rates until 2024 and many of them would have thought that was a firm commitment. And the other thing too is in Australia, we hadn't had a rate hike for so long anyway. Yeah. But I think just people weren't conditioned to, to rates going up. So I think as a result of that, you had a lot of people transacting in the housing market in a way that they mightn't have otherwise done because they thought rates weren't going up. And the thing is, I have a lot of um, you know, empathy for, for people that were in that position because you, right through last year, you could see home prices rising very quickly. And if, you, if you're if you of the view that rates weren't going to go up because that's what you thought the central bank has basically said, then there was no reason to think home prices would then end up going down, in which case, even if you didn't really want to pay what you were about to pay for a home, mm. you probably felt you had no no choice if you want a roof over your head, given that backdrop. But as it's turned out, rates have ended up going up, and not just going up, but going up at a very quick pace. Home prices are now falling, as we talked about. And for a lot of people that transacted the market, they're thinking, well, that wasn't the, the story that I was told. And again, I think that's being reflected in, in the consumer sentiment numbers where households are kind of you know, thinking, well, hang on, we've 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 been sold a story that um, isn't really what what has played out. Yeah. Oh well. Um, is there anything else you guys have got going on, or can we wrap it up there? I'm more than happy to wrap it up there. Yeah, that was a right. good chat. Yeah, it was a good chat. So a few of the few of the tips. Long bonds in a little while is uh, seems like a sharp long china for myself. Short the retailers or general advice only. None of this is actually coming from Gareth. It's all coming from me. Uh, thank you very much, Gareth, there at the CBO for dropping in. Thanks, James. Good to chat. Uh, now, you can find us on iTunes at The Bip Show or wherever you get your podcasts. I hear we're big on Spotify. Uh, Colgo is just, I believe, he's on a plane from Davos. He's still in the air, I think, so uh, we'll have to catch him next time. Uh, we're on Twitter. It's at the underscore Bip underscore show. We're on Facebook too. You know where to find us. I don't know why we are, but we are. My website is where I put all the notes. It's called Wheel and Capital. It's just a landing page. It doesn't actually mean anything, um, but I'll, I'll link to your note at the CDA. Um, anywhere that's uh, anywhere that's there, I strongly recommend if you want to do yourself a favour and know about local stuff, subscribe to whatever you need to subscribe to to get this note in your inbox, or or to go to the website and get it. It will give you a really good two or three pages every couple of days, 
on what's going on in the market. And that way you don't have an excuse of blaming the RBA. If, uh, if things go wrong, you can just listen to Gareth because Gareth knows what's going on. So, uh, yeah, so that's my website. That's where all the stuff's going to go. Check out Wheeling Capital. I'm on uh, Twitter at JamesWheeling42. Are you on Twitter? No, no I'm not. Yeah, that's, oh, we, we said that before. So he's, he's the coolest guy I know. Uh, the show is produced by Drunken Monkeys, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 